following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, September 26th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined this evening as we record on Tuesday by my friend Anshu Khanna. Anshu, how the hell are you? Josh. Just fantastic. How's it going over there? Wow. No auto in the background, as far as I can tell. No auto. We are a full manual tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we are going to get right down to it. We had a <laughs> my least favorite team in the NFL played on Monday night. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers went down to Tampa. It was rainy before the game. Didn't know if the conditions would affect the gameplay, but uh, it ended up clearing up pretty well. Uh, but... The story in this one, I mean, the Steelers looked horrible right at the beginning. We do have a little smock, it sounds like. But the Steelers, oh, yeah. looked, the Steelers looked terrible to start the game, and then they just bounced right back. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a few turnovers in that first half, and, you know, it took Fitzmagic coming back into the second half to kind of bring this team back and almost give them an opportunity to win. Uh, Deshaun Jackson had a punt return that he ran back for 84-yard touchdown that was called back, and, you know, that would have left a lot more time on the clock and given this Buccaneers team an opportunity to – I think maybe make a little bit better run at it, but uh, they end up losing 30-27. to 27. The Steelers get a must-needed win. Uh, and, and really kind of a, what, what we saw is kind of a shift in drama. We've been talking a lot about the Steelers' drama. We've talked about Le'Veon Bell's holdout. We've talked about Antonio Brown not showing up to practice. We've talked about the injuries with the Steelers. But them getting a win and moving them to 1-1-1 puts them back in contention. They've got a big game this Sunday night against the Ravens. Um, but the Buccaneers now on the other side of that, they've got a quarterback controversy. Jameis Winston's coming back from his suspension. What will happen with that? So, Anshu, there's a lot to unwrap here. Uh, you start where you want to, and then we'll kind of work through this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, you nailed it pretty much. I mean, the, the Steelers, absolutely a must win. They go up 30-10, to 10, definitely looked like it was in the bag, and then Fitzmagic arrives just in time to make it interesting there. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway from the game, there are two. Number one is obviously that the Steelers are not dead yet. If they go 0-2-1, it becomes much, much more difficult to foresee them either winning the AFC North or even getting a bye. I know that, or even getting a wild card, I should say. I know the AFC is a little bit wide open right now at this stage, but, um, you know, it's it's still... Oh, oh, two and one is oh, two and one. That'd be pretty tough to come back from, um, especially with, like you said, there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of consternation around the team. But then the number two story is obviously Tampa. It's obviously Winston versus Fitzpatrick. And I just don't know how you bench Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. Another 400 yard game, three straight 400 yard games, another three touchdowns. His three picks really weren't that bad if you look at them. I mean, one was tipped. One was his hand gets hit as he throws, and that, I mean, still his fault, but, you know, whatever. And then another one was a miscommunication with Mike Evans. So I still think that 
Ryan Fitzpatrick has this team. You can tell that the whole crowd, I mean, you saw the fake beards in the crowd and just, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought they were lit up there in Tampa for the first time in a long time. So, um, you know, I was impressed with him. I think you got to stay with him for now. And then, uh, you know, just see what you've got. They have one more game. They go to Chicago this week and then they have a bye. I don't know how you put Winston out there before week six. It almost kind of aligns perfectly to kind of be able to see what happens. He's you got Fitzpatrick against potentially one of the best defenses in the league this mm-hmm. season. You mentioned the, the three four hundred yard games. It's actually an NFL record. He's the first person in NFL history wow. to have three back to back to back four hundred yard performances, which is crazy for a guy who's played on seven different NFL teams. <laughs> you know, he's been That's a true. journeyman. He played for the Bengals at one point. I remember Fitzpatrick coming in for an injured. I believe it was uh, – was it – Was it Palmer? Yeah, I think it was Palmer uh, just at the end of his rope there in Cincinnati. But, yeah, we, so I've, I've seen a lot of Fitzpatrick over the years. We've seen him on a lot of different teams and seems to always get an opportunity to start. You know, and, and Booger McFarland actually kind of put it, put it uh, into perspective nicely. You know, he said that this is a guy who's, you know, had a lot of opportunities to start in the NFL and he's shown, you know, kind of – signs of greatness at times like he has so far this year for Tampa, but then they'll have those games, you know, like like Monday's game started where he'll throw three or four interceptions and, you know, he'll kind of put his team out of the game. But you mentioned it. I mean, these didn't look like really his fault on a lot of the situations. And, you know, he, he was very resilient to get his team back in it at the end. Unfortunately, he had one opportunity with about three minutes left, and it was a three and out uh, where, you know, he couldn't get it done then. But it does beg the question. I mean, you've got a number one overall pick in Jameis Winston who has hired a new agent. And, you know, I've, I've heard some rumblings that, you know, this, this situation – with him hiring a new agent, you know, it's putting it into perspective for him as well because now Jameis is looking at this as, well, if Fitzpatrick continues playing well, he might have to look for a new team this offseason. So it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes out. Cutter, uh, Dirk Cutter has been very kind of tight-lipped about what they're going to do. I think they've made a decision, but it doesn't seem like they want to let us know who they're going to start this weekend. But I've got to agree with you here, Anshu. I think it's Fitzpatrick. I think you start him this fourth game, kind of see how he does against a great defense, and then... And, you know, if he plays poorly, you have an excuse to bring your franchise quarterback back in after the bye. If he does play well, then you're riding a potential 3-1 and one season into a bye week, and then you have a lot of flexibility with what you can do going forward. And this, this Buccaneers team is not short on weapons, that's for sure. For sure. I, I, you know, I would be careful what I wished for if I was James Winston. Not to say that he's looking to leave or anything, but, you know, playing in that controlled environment mostly in Tampa and with those weapons, as you alluded to, I mean, Evans and Jackson – they obviously, you saw Chris Godwin yesterday, not his best game, but a lot of targets, and you saw the athleticism. O.J. Howard, of course, Cameron Bray there, and then, you know, the running backs leave something to be desired. But, it, you know, definitely an interesting team, I think, offensively. Defense, they're a disaster. We saw what Vance McDonald did to Chris Conte and embarrassed him, put him on IR with that stiff <laughs> arm, essentially. Pretty embarrassing. But, you know, I, I – I would definitely say that this skill position group is as good as, you know, many, if not one of the absolute best in all of football. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's taking complete advantage of them. He's 36 years old, and he's averaging over 11 yards per attempt, which is almost double his career high. Um, Well, his career high was eight before that, which is still pretty high. But 11 is is leading the league right now. 
in a, in a year where we have Patrick Mahomes. So just wrap your head around that. This 36-year-old journeyman is doing this right now, and you can just tell he gives absolutely zero, flying the ball down the field. And I just, you know, there's just like a sense of excitement around him there. I, I know the first half was kind of a disaster. Maybe you agree or disagree with, like, do you agree that there's just a buzz around him there? I, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you could feel it in the crowd. I, I, Tampa's an interesting team because their, their crowd, you know, was out for this game, but you also saw a ton of terrible towels and a lot of people travel yeah, to Tampa yeah. cause it's in Florida, but you know, the, it, there was but the atmosphere, the atmosphere right. was very raucous for this game. And you did see a lot of the fake beards in the crowd. And I think people are excited about Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's being talked about in the media more than he's probably been in his entire career. And it's for <laughs> sure. good reason. I mean, he just broke an NFL record. And if you saw the list of people with two back to back, 400-yard games. I mean, there were there were some of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game on that list. Peyton Manning's name was on there. Tom Brady. I mean, you've got very, uh, very good quarterbacks on that list. So to see his name now be the only one to throw three 400-yard games in a row in the history of this league when we've had such great quarterback play over the years is, you know, it's something to be said. And, and, and it's something to watch out for because Jameis is a guy who has all the talent in the world. But when you couple that with what he's had off the field with his issues, when you date all the way back to college where he has, you know, the incident where he stands up in the cafeteria and yells something obscene, oh, yeah. you have the issue where, you know, he was Eat allegedly – you know, he he was he was yeah eating the W. You had the issue where he stole crab legs allegedly. You had the issue where there was a, a alleged rape case. You had the issue with the groping of the Uber driver, which he's suspended for this year. I mean, it, at some point, a team's going to get fed up with him, just like the Browns just did with Josh Gordon. At some point, the sure. talent the talent is going to be secondary to the off the field issues. And unfortunately, you know, I've been a guy who loves Jameis Winston's game. I think he's one of the most well one of the most gifted quarterbacks in the NFL when not in trouble but it, it's it's tough when you've got a guy like Fitzpatrick who's coming in and, and playing as well as he is you know as, as the Buccaneers you're two and one right now you've got to play as if you have an opportunity to go to the playoffs this year and you've got to ride what you've been doing and I hate saying that but it just I just think it's uh Fitzpatrick's time and unless he really drops the ball against the Bears I, I think he might get an opportunity after the bye week as well I was going to ask you that if like how what does the stat line have to be or what does the outcome of that game have to be I mean say they lose say he plays you know he he goes for whatever is you know 250 yards two touchdowns two picks is that enough for him to say I mean is it or is that just it's too hard to tell without actually seeing him do it I I think it has to be pretty bad I mean the Bears first of all in my opinion I think you're going to agree with this I don't think they're as good as a lot of people are, are kind of especially here in Chicago saying that they they believe they are I mean there's no doubt this is a great defense but and you and I have agreed that Trubisky is not a good quarterback that you know the weapons around him have been playing you know below their capabilities Allen Robinson was a good addition, but is he going to be a guy that really is a difference maker for a team long term? I don't know, especially coming off an injury last year. He's getting a lot of targets, but they don't have anybody else to throw the ball to. Jordan mm-hmm. Howard has looked slow, in my opinion. He, he hasn't made anybody miss, and he's. I, I don't know what he's averaging per carry, but I've got to assume it's around three yards per carry. So mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't think this Bears offense really scares me. So I, you know, for Fitzpatrick, you've got to be able to show that you can put your team in a position to beat a really good defense. I don't know that two, two touchdowns, two interceptions is going to bench this guy, but you know I feel like if he comes in and doesn't throw a touchdown and has two interceptions or maybe three interceptions, you know I think you've got to really take a hard look in the mirror if you're Tampa and going into that bye week if you're two and two. I, I don't know how you make the decision to keep the franchise quarterback on the bench unless Fitzpatrick continues the success he's had. Ooh, okay. So you're saying they basically have to win unless Fitzpatrick has a good game. 
Uh, otherwise, you'd go to Jameis in week five, in week six. I do because long term, when you look toward the the rest of the season, I think Jameis gives them more upside, and I, I ultimately think he is a better quarterback. And I think the Buccaneers know that. I think they're playing with yeah. house money with Fitzpatrick. You know what's sure. the, what's the what's the point in bringing Jameis back? I'm sure he'll be a little bit rusty when he does eventually get there. So let him let him hit the practice field. Let him come back from the suspension. Let him prove that he still has the tools that you want out of a starting quarterback long term. Because if Fitzpatrick plays well, you're playing with house money. Just let it ride until it until it uh, bites you in the back for sure and th- that being said if they do go to chicago and win and they go to three and one and i know this is a major hypothetical but still say they do it um you know against the division leading bears team which everyone in chicago will let you know that they are if they, if they go and do that i think that that lengthens the leash on fitzpatrick a ton like i i think he could lose at least two games out of the bye after that before they turn to Jameis. And I, I agree with you that Jameis gives them more upside. Well, I should say, I mean, hypothetically he does. But, you know, again, 11 yards per attempt and three 400-yard games. I mean, that's that's upside right there, man. Like, I mean, if Fitzpatrick's driving the ball down the, uh, down the field to Deshaun Jackson and them, I mean, no matter how good you or anybody else thinks Jameis is, myself included, it's hard to beat those numbers. Um, and, you know, it's and starting Fitzpatrick now doesn't mean that you – you know, start him next year. It's just, it's one of those things. It's really hard to get away from. And again, with the buzz and the galvanizing of that locker room, if they go to three and one, it's really hard for me to imagine any scenario until they go to 500 or below where, where Fitzpatrick is no longer the quarterback. But you don't think Fitzpatrick is as good as he's playing right now. I mean, we've seen some hot streaks in the NFL by backup quarterbacks. We've seen Brian no. Hoyer come out and look like a pro. I mean, we've, we've seen it over the years. I don't think this is the Ryan Fitzpatrick you're going to get the whole season. But, you know, you ride the hot hand. I just I can't imagine that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to continue having 400-yard, three-touchdown no. games. Definitely not. But they're, like you said, the list is very limited of players that are able to do this to do to go down the field to be courageous enough and I and that's why I brought up the fact that he just gives zero right now like he is just going for it he's you know he's clearly he's 36 he's been around the block he's basically saying look I've got one more shot at this I'm gonna do it the way that I've I would want to if it was my last salvo you know and that's exactly what he's doing he is just tossing it down to the field with his awesome downfield weapons and he is if that's the kind of attitude you have I think that it gives you a chance to win I, I mean I think it's because I don't think this Bucks team is very good I think that it, he gives them a great chance to win right now when he's playing like this and let's not forget that you brought this up but Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 31 touchdowns and like 15 picks a few years ago so we know this guy can do it um, you know, he's done it sustained for a full season when he was with the Jets, 3,900 yards, 31 touchdowns, 15 picks, right around a 90 quarterback rating. That is that's better than Jameis Winston's ever been for a full season, I think. And again, I'm not saying he's better. I just think it's a fascinating case study. And like you said, riding the hot hand versus kind of what your brain and your, your sensibilities say, which is that Jameis should probably be the starter. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Fitzpatrick has a lot of the tools that you want in a quarterback. I don't know that he's a franchise quarterback, but we're going to see. It's going to be fun to see how this mm-hmm. thing plays out. It's definitely, like you said, a very interesting situation to keep an eye on. We're going sure. We're going to preview Thursday as well, but before we get to that, there were just a couple – Quick things, uh, your boy Brashad Breland, uh, now on the Packers, previously on the Washington Redskins, if I'm not mistaken, who you guys just That's played right. this past weekend. So you guys could have used him. Yeah, you guys could have used the secondary help, uh, but this is a good addition for your Packers. Um, the, the story that kind of we, – we were talking a little bit about this earlier today, 
this Everson Griffin story is a, a bit odd. Uh, so Everson Griffin of the Minnesota Vikings, obviously they're coming off of a really bad loss to the Bills. Uh, you know, they, they, they ordered a mental health check for him. It sounds like there were some incidences that they were looking into where he was going after teammates and things like that. Anshu, I don't know all the details of this story, but what do you make of this? I mean, this is not good for this Minnesota team who's already going through it with this, this loss that they were favored by 17 and got crushed. Yeah, so it's definitely um, an odd week, let's say, for the Vikings. But I give them credit as much as I don't like the team, obviously, on the field. Mike Zimmer nipping this in the bud right away, you know, only concerned really with trying to help Everson Griffin. And he is one of their best players for sure. So uh, apparently he kind of, you know, lost his temper. And he, in the last few weeks, this is a series of events allegedly where he had been having issues with either a teammate or several teammates and just seemed sort of out of sorts. And in an era where CTE-based behavioral issues have come to the forefront, um, you know, and, and really been the basis for a lot of this roughing the passer stuff we've heard so and talked so much about the last few weeks, um, you know, it, it's hard not to think about that in this scenario. Um, and you just you just hope Griffin gets, you know, the help that he needs. Luckily, no one, as far as we know, has been – uh, you know, injured or affected directly physically by Griffin. But, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, again, just a really kind of fascinating but sad story, I would say. And, and obviously for the Vikings, I don't see Everson Griffin coming to the field anytime soon as long as this is the case. Yeah, let's hope he gets better. You never like to hear stories like that. You mentioned the roughing the passer. That's something we didn't talk about in the Monday night game. What were there, seven or eight of those penalties in that game? You you obviously had a brutal one on Sunday, which we touched on. I mean, it's it's getting out of hand. You, the, what are linemen supposed to do at this point? But we're not going to beat a dead yeah. horse. Uh, but we are going to talk about the Rams. Sound, it does Go sound ahead. just real quick on it. I know every, it's just sickening to keep talking about it. I hate it. But the one quick thing is Ian Rappaport said today that uh, apparently members of the competition committee are getting together allegedly this week. Um, and they're talking, apparently there's quite a bit of, of issue with, um, the Clay Matthews hit specifically the idea of having a roughing the passer while the quarterback still has a ball, um, and not having it be a direct blow to the head or to the knee. So, uh, there is an outside chance that we see fewer and fewer of these penalties as the season goes on. But, um, let's just hope that happens because right now the way it is, is just, it's crazy. Nobody likes it, including the quarterbacks. Nobody likes it. Well, the competition getting committee getting together. Uh, one thing I'm sure will come out of that meeting is Vontez Burfick will get suspended before that meeting <laughs> ends and before he gets back on the field. So, so we have that to look forward to in Cincinnati. Um, but we just talked about the Vikings. Uh, they're going on the road to play against the Los Angeles Rams who have, Again, looked like the best team in the NFC. They open as six and a half point favorites at home against the Vikings. The Vikings now won one and one. You know, Kirk Cousins did not look great in that game against the Bills. The Vikings still without Dalvin Cook. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to go on Thursday night. You know, this Vikings team now in a position where they really need a win, where they should or could be, really should be 3-0 and at this point. Uh, you know, you can't say they should have won that Bills game, but they should have won that Bills game regardless of the score. Uh, but this Rams yeah. team, I mean, they don't really look beatable, especially at home. That raucous yeah. Los Angeles crowd. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that part, but uh, yeah, their offense is just so good. I mean, they are, the question here is, will Marcus Peters play? Will Akeem Tlaib play? It looks like they're both out. Tlaib for sure is out, probably Peters as well for at least a week. So that Rams defense might not be quite the uh, well-oiled machine that 
Wade Phillips has had them playing like in the last few weeks, but uh, still pretty good. And if they can channel anything close to what the defensive line and front seven of the Bills did, and, and this front for the Rams is obviously so much better with Donald and Sue amongst others. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine the uh, the Vikings being able to go in there and win. But I would I would caution people for, to um, in of taking you know that Bills game too seriously. I think there's obviously some truth to it. But like you said, I think Dalvin Cook comes back. I think the Vikings bounce off the mat and make it interesting. I would expect them to cover. But you know, Sean McVay is the best coach in the league right now, and specifically offensively. So tough uh, tough to bet against the Rams at home in terms of just winning the game outright. Yeah, I mean, even if they're Defensive players that you mentioned, especially in the secondary, aren't able to go. Dominique Easley is also questionable of the knee injury at the linebacker position. Uh, you know, even if those guys aren't able to go, I just don't see the Rams offense getting stopped, especially after we saw the Vikings, you know, give up all the, the big plays they did to Buffalo. I, I just, this Rams team, I don't see an NFC team that really can compete with them right now. Obviously, the, your Packers, you know, that was a team I was high on earlier in the season. But, you know, with the injury to, to Rodgers, that completely changes their narrative. And they're just, sure. there just really isn't another team in the NFC right now that I could say confidently it gives this team a run for their money. You know, the Saints obviously should, like you mentioned on last, our last show, could be 0-3 right now. You know, the Falcons' defense has a ton of question marks. The Buccaneers, there's just not a lot in the NFC that I think can compete with this Rams team. But this is a game that the Vikings, like you said, they really need a win. Dalvin Cook, you know, hopefully he's back for their sake. But if he's not, Latavius Murray in relief did nothing this past Sunday. I mean, they were obviously Garbage. down early, but he he did nothing with his opportunities. And, you know, I just, I just don't know if the Vikings are going to have enough to be able to go on the road and beat this Rams team. And, you know, that's going to put the Vikings in a position. I don't think anybody expected them to be four games in. So, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're Zimmer and Mike Zimmer and company, you really need to go into this game kind of treating it as a must win. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, look, you said they could be 3-0. and I I go the other way. I think they could easily be 1-2. and I mean, if they if the Packers don't get that Clay Matthews hit, they win. They could run out the clock there. Um, or if they kick the field goal, they run out the clock. So I, I guess that game could have gone either way. Obviously, the rookie kicker misses a couple in overtimes. But, you know, they could be staring 1-3. and three. Either way, 1-2-1, and one, not much better. So uh, Vikings, you're right. I mean, maybe not a must win, but definitely, you know, if you're trying to keep pace with the Packers – and yes, the Bears. I, I mean, I think that this is a this is definitely a game you want to go win, especially on a short week. I think that helps them more than anything because I, the Rams are banged up. You know, they can take the air out of the ball in the Vikings, and then just you know, just sort of hope to to kind of win a battle of attrition. They could do that. I just I don't see it. I agree with you. I think the Rams are just so much better than everyone else in the NFC right now. Yeah, so but it's early. If, so if you had to put a number on this one, obviously we talked about the line six and a half. I, I mean, I think that the Vikings cover this. I think it's going to be a four, five, six point game. But I, I think yep. the Rams are going to pull this thing out at home. Totally agree. I think I would. I think that what's the over? I think the over is at fifty ish. So I would. I would go under. I think the Vikings again just try to take the air out of the ball, even with. Peterson to leave out if they were in by the way I would be rolling with the Rams like I would hammer that six and a half seven but uh yeah I think it's going to be low scoring close but ultimately the Rams win a tight one okay you heard it here first on the leftovers aren't you does not get predictions wrong well I guess I guess that's I guess that's Dan <laughs> that's Dan that's yeah Dan, Dan never, never once has he gotten a prediction wrong ever um, um yeah 
Nope. But that, that's just about going to do it. Before we end the show, though, I did want to give you an opportunity to give your oh, by the way. I think you had some baseball news for our listeners. Yes, indeed. The official Shohei Otani podcast. Otani, going under the knife after the season ends here in a week. He will undergo Tommy John surgery. That, I believe, will knock him out for the majority, if not. It should knock him out for all of next year unless they try to you know, have him just bat during the latter ends of the season if it's close. Um, but I don't, I don't see that happening. Also, with the Angels, it looks like Eric Chavez is going to end up being their manager, and Mike Sosha will indeed be out. So a lot, of, a lot going on there for the Angels. Yeah, we talked. We haven't talked much baseball on the show uh, of late, but we will be talking more in the coming shows as the playoffs yes. are just around the corner. The Oakland oh, yeah. A's clinched a playoff berth last evening. They're going to play the New York Yankees. We don't know who the home team in that's going to be yet, but they knocked the Tampa Bay Rays out of contention for the playoffs here. Uh, there's a lot going on as the baseball season comes to a close. So we'll be keeping you up to speed on that. Uh, but my, oh, by the way, is around the NBA as that season's just right around the corner as well. Jimmy Butler, we talked a little bit about the fact that he's now being rumored in trade talks and uh, he does not want to play for the Wolves this season. Tom Thibodeau made an attempt to try to meet with Jimmy Butler to get him to rejoin the Wolves for the preseason, uh, but he said he's not interested in doing that and is going to just wait it out and hope for a trade. So that's interesting. They also give Carl Anthony Towns an extension of supermaxed contract. Uh, so, you know, I think the writing is now on the wall for Jimmy Butler to be on his way out the door. And uh, it's just going to be interesting to see where he lands. The teams that he wants to go to, you know, are in a position to, to, to bring on another max guy in the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, and what was the other, the third, the Clippers. So, uh, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Woj said that uh, the Cavs are in the running and a couple other teams as well. So Bucks. it's going to be fun. Are in the running. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one too. So that'll yeah. be fun. That'll be a fun story to keep an eye on uh, as uh, the NBA preseason gets underway here just in the next week or so. So, Anshu, anything uh, to add for the good of the group? I know you have to get to another show as uh, you're the busy man in the podcast world. Yeah, that's right. The lesser show, my friend. Uh, been a oh, pleasure wow. as always. But, yeah, we've got this. October is the best. We're just going to – every show is going to be just filled with stuff. So I'm, I'm excited. As am I. For Anshu Khanna. I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. We will see you guys on Friday.